Your Catholic drive time. Keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you on this Wednesday, November the 16th on the feast day of St. Margaret of Scotland. Pray for us. Praise be to God. Here is the $64,000 question. Uh, All about this brand new book that's just about to drop from Tan. The Devil and Belladad, One Woman's Struggle Against Communism and Her Redemption. Did Belladad actually make the claim that she helped infiltrate Catholic seminaries with some 1,000, 1,200 men? Did she make that claim, number one? And number two, can it be proven that she did actually do that? We're going to have that very pivotal conversation because the debate is hot and heavy on uh, social media amongst Catholics as to whether or not she did claim that or did she lie about it and did she do it? Well, this book dives into the details with the nitty-gritty references and everything else. Dr. Mary Nichols and Dr. Paul Kingor. Kingor is going to be on our program at 35 past the hour, so do join us if you can. Coming up at 15 past, Michael Hitchborn from Lepanto Institute is back with the latest CCHD report. Spoiler, 30% of this year's grants and more, 30 plus percent, have gone to organizations that uh, oppose Catholic moral teaching. We're going to get the details on that at 15 past the hour. Do join us. David O. Gray is going to be on with us at the top of the next hour. Apparently, the Mormon Church is now embracing uh, LGBTQ agenda and gay marriage. Is this just a stepping stone to getting back polygamy? We'll have that conversation with David O'Gray in the next hour. Lots of stories in the news, of course. Donald Trump has made his official bid for the White House in 2024, while the GOP has taken back the House majority, and they've nominated McCarthy as the next speaker, or at least their nomination for the next speaker. Uh A missile hit Poland, hit a village in Poland. It was uh, apparently made by Russians, but there is some doubt as to who fired it. Moscow has denied it, of course. Uh, Joe Biden is even wondering whether or not Moscow fired it. Uh, But nonetheless, NATO is convening. They're having conversations. Could this be the spark? I'm sure Rudy's going to cover this story a little bit more. And just days after the midterms, Democrats are moving quickly to codify gay marriage. There's going to be a big vote in the Senate today. They're trying to rush as fast as possible because they know they've lost the House in the next term. So uh, it's going to be a wild ride. Buckle up. Texas Governor Greg Abbott has declared an invasion and has uh, says he's put into place Article 4, Section 7 of the Texas Constitution. He's calling up the militia. That's interesting. Hey, uh, guess what? The digital dollar is being tested out in uh, the New York Federal Reserve and multiple global banking uh, giants. Nothing to see here. Move along. Move along. Oh, and one last thing. The Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. has canceled the youth rally in Mass for Life because who needs it anymore, I guess? Dobbs, you know, Roe v. Wade got turned over. Anyway, good morning to Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. And it feels so good to win. You know, we don't need any of that stuff. We're <laughs> way past it. You know? What's next? World you know, we, poverty? I mean, we, should, we got this covered now. Well, our Lord told us that we would have the poor forever. Mm-hmm. So I don't know about that. Yeah, interesting. But hmm. uh, definitely don't go to California. Okay, uh, because Noted. they will allow you to kill your child up to birth now. So yeah, 
Yeah, and apparently we had to follow up on that one bill they were trying to pass that allows California to hunt down California residents, even that uh, those that aren't living in their own state and uh, take their kids from them because they don't support the trans thing. Malone Labe. We got to figure out <laughs> what the status of Come that is. Come and take them. <laughs> Speaking of coming and taking it, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos right out of, uh, is it Goliad or is it Gonzalez? I forget. Uh, the Come and take it, the canon. Oh, Goliad. Goliad. Thank yeah. you. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Good morning. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Is it? It is. Praise be to God. And maybe it'll be good to uh, go to D.C. and have a March for Life anyway. <laughs> yeah, you know? exactly. Let's, yeah. Uh, at the very <laughs> least. Just show up. At the very least. <laughs> Everybody's been talking for years about having a celebratory march after we overturn uh, Roe v. Wade. But yeah. also, I don't know if the bishops know, mm-hmm. but abortion is still legal in most of the U.S. states. Uh, so I don't know yeah. if they know, still but so we do? should let let your bishop know today. Hey, by the way, did, did you, you know, know that uh, abortion is still legal in the U.S. and we got to get it illegal in every state in our country? Yeah. So. Well, for Fun the facts. record, they're only canceling the mass. Oh, uh, is that all? Not the march. Oh, oh it's oh, just wow. oh, that's just, okay. We see we don't whoosh. need mass. It's just the mass for the youth. The giant rally that would happen before you the mean march. The, you mean the mass that uh, filled up the entire mm-hmm. basilica yes, and have people spilling out the doors? And they would that have, mass? Yeah, they have to go to a second site. Oh, yeah. Mass is boring, am I right? right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, who needs that, right? Uh, let's pray that that comes back online. Anyway, we have a lot to cover today. A Hitchborn at 15 past. Ken Gore at 35. We're going to be a full st- show. And David O'Gray at the top of the next hour. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known, that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is Wednesday, November 16th. Breaking news, halfway through the month now. Here are your headlines for the for the rest of the, for this morning, rather. The CNA reports new USCCB President Broglio says, I'd be happy to meet with Biden. Answering more questions, Broglio stood by prior comments he made about homosexuality being related to the sexual abuse crisis that we're seeing. One reporter asked Broglio about a 2018 email he sent in which he said that there was, quote, no question that the crisis of sexual abuse by priests in the U.S. is directly related to homosexuality, unquote. The contents of the email were reported by Military.com. He continues saying, quote, I think it's certainly an aspect of the sexual crisis that can't be denied. And that's certainly not to point a finger at anyone, but I think it would be naive to suggest that there's no relationship between the two, unquote. The Epic Times reports Nevada Supreme Court rejects attempt to stop country or counties hand count. Excuse me. The hand count, which is taking place after all the ballots cast in the midterms were tabulated with machines, is essentially a recount or an audit, which the ACLU claims is not allowed by state law. The state's top court ruled within hours denying the petition. The court noted that the hand count was approved by the Nevada Secretary of State's office. U.S. officials now say Poland likely struck by Ukrainian missiles. Biden says it's unlikely that Russia's responsible. Three U.S. officials who spoke on condition of anonymity because they were not authorized to discuss the matter publicly 
have now briefed the Associated Press that preliminary investigations suggest it was actually Ukraine that struck Poland, likely as a result of anti-aircraft missiles or missiles uh, fired at an incoming Russian bombardment going off course. Breitbart also reports Texas governor invokes uh, invasion clause to push back migrants crossing the border. Governor Abbott's plans include deploying the National Guard to safeguard the border and to repel and turn back migrants or immigrants trying to cross the border illegally. Deploying the Texas Department of Public Safety to arrest and return immigrants to the border who have crossed illegally and to arrest illegal immigrants for criminal activity. Building a wall in multiple counties on the border. Deploying gunboats and designate Mexican uh, drug cartels as foreign terrorist organizations. Enter into a compact with other states to secure the border. Enter into agreements with foreign powers to enhance border security and provide resources for border counties to increase their efforts to respond to the border invasion. Sounds pretty reasonable to me. Those were your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is Blessed Lucy of Narni. In Narni, Italy, in 1476, uh, Lucy was born, and when she was just five years old, she had a vision of Our Lady. Two years later, two years later Our Lady came with Saint Dominic, who gave her the scapular. At the age of 12, she made private vows and even at this early age, had determined to become a Dominican. However, family affairs were to make this difficult. Lucy's father died, leaving her in the care of her uncle. He felt it that it was best way to dispose of a pretty niece was to marry her off as soon as possible. Her uncle arranged a marriage with Count Pietro of Milan, who was not a stranger to the family. Lucy was, in fact, very fond of him, but she had resolved to live as a religious. The strain of the situation made her seriously ill. During her illness, Our Lady appeared to her again, accompanied by St. Dominic and St. Catherine. And they told her to go ahead with the marriage as a legal contract, but to explain to Pietro that she was bound to her vow of virginity and must keep it. When Lucy recovered the matter, she explained to Pietro, and the marriage was solemnized. Pietro, to do him justice, never seems to have objected when his young wife gave away clothes and food, nor when she performed great penances. She knew that she wore, he knew that she wore a hair shirt under her rich clothing, and that she spent most of the night in prayer and working for the poor. He even made allowances for the legend told him by the servants that Saints Catherine, Agnes, and Agnes of Montepulciano came to her to make, help her make bread for the poor. When Lucy departed for the desert to become an anchorite, she returned the next day saying that Saint Dominic had brought her home. Pietro's patience finally gave out. He had his young wife locked up. Here she remained for the season of Lent. Sympathetic servants brought her food until Easter. Perhaps they had both decided that Lucy could not live the life God had planned for her in Pietro's house. She returned to her mother's house and put on the habit of a Dominican tertiary. Shortly after this, Lucy went to Vietro Bull and joined a group of Third Order sisters. She tried very hard to hide her spiritual favors because they complicated her life wherever she went. She had the stigmata visibly and she was usually in ecstasy. The Pope himself pronounced in her favor and told her to go home and pray for him. Here, the hard-pressed Pietro had final had his final appearance in Lucy's life. He made a last effort to persuade Lucy to change her plans and come back to him. Finally, he decided to become a Franciscan, and in later years he became a famous preacher. 
The last 39 years of her life, she was never allowed to speak to anyone but her confessor, who was chosen by her prioress. She died in 1544 and was beatified by Pope Clement XI in 1720. Blessed Lucy of Narni, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from John chapter 15, verses 9 through 17. This is the optional gospel. Jesus said to his disciples, As the Father loves me, so I also love you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy might be in you and your joy might be complete. This is my commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. I no longer call you slaves because a slave does not know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have told you everything I have heard from my father. It was not you who chose me, but I who chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit that will remain so that whatever you ask, the Father in, the, in my name he may give you. This I command you, love one another. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Haydock's commentary today says, This frequent admonition of keeping the commandments proveth that a Christian's life consists not in faith alone, but in good works. Yeah, buddy. It's that key pivotal line there. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Got to do what he commands. That's the trick. Haydock's commentary goes on to point out a wonderful condescension, says St. Augustine, in our blessed Redeemer, who was God as well as man, to call such poor and sinful creatures his friends, who, when we have done all we can and ought, are still but unprofitable servants. St. Augustine today was on fire. He goes on to say, These words then do not declare whence love arises, but how it is shown that no one might deceive himself into thinking that he loved our Lord when he did not keep his commandments. Going on to say, Continue ye in my love, then is to continue in my grace. Your keeping of my commandments will be evidence to you that you abide in my love. Do you get that? Do you see that? Living in God's grace is evidence. You must keep his word. You must keep his commandments. You must do as he has asked you to do. We'll be right back. Michael Hitchborn, Lepanto is coming up next. Can we be happy without God? Atheists say yes. We Christians say yes, but only to a certain extent. What's our reason? There are some natural human desires that can be satisfied without living for God. The desire for sensory pleasure, success, and loving relationships. There are certain desires, however, that can't be satisfied without God. For example, we don't just desire some love, we desire infinite love, love without limit. This is manifest when we get frustrated with imperfect manifestations of it. The same is true for knowledge, justice, and beauty. Since God alone is infinite in these perfections, only He can satisfy our desires for them. 
Therefore, to borrow from St. Augustine, without God, our hearts would be forever restless. And my friends, a restless heart is an unhappy heart. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children, developed the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. Be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you today. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Dr. Paul Kengor is going to be back on the show. And this book, we've been anticipating this book. When he told us he was doing this, my mind was blown. There is a debate in the Catholic world as to the authenticity, the veracity of Bella Dodd's claims that she helped to infiltrate the Catholic Church with some 1,000 1,100, 1,200 communist men who wanted to subvert the church from within. Did she make the claim? And can it be proven? This book addresses that in detail, all cited with sources. It's good stuff, this book. I have not had enough time with it yet. But nonetheless, this conversation with Dr. Paul Kengor, co-author of this book, is coming up at 35 past the hour. Do join us if you can. Joining us right now, again, is uh, Michael Hitchborn, Lepanto Institute. It's that time. Uh, CCHD, the Capital Campaign for Human Development, which, by the way, is uh, the so its seeds, its beginnings, its origins are also sort of addressed in this book as part of the communist subversion. Good morning to you, Michael Hitchborn. Good morning, Joe. Good to have good to be on. Yeah, praise be to God. It's good to see you again. How are you, my friend? Well, you know, fighting a little cold, but that usually comes at the end of uh, a very major project. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you're wearing yourself out, burning the candle at both ends there. Yeah. Uh, now, I find it fascinating uh, in your report, which can be found at LepantoIN.org. You got some bullet points here, and that first one kind of uh, took my breath away a little bit. It says of the $11,249,000 distributed by the CCHD in fiscal year 2020 to 2021. million went to organizations acting against Holy Mother Church, which is uh, north of 30% of the great total. So over 30% of faithfully donated hard-earned dollars into the uh, the basket have gone to organizations that actively subvert Catholic Church teaching on morals and faith. Tell us what's going on in the report. Well, and the thing is that um, this, this isn't just like well, somebody made some statement somewhere that was, you know, not in line with church teaching, which is the way that CCHD would characterize most of our research. We went through and very, very carefully set a very high bar for what we considered a violation of church teaching. And when we're talking about how these organizations were actively working against the church, we're talking about things like Mm -hmm. going out and participating in these LGBTQ pride fests. And going out and and posting things on social media saying, hey, there's a there's a, a pro-abortion rally taking place. We want you guys to all participate or going and sponsoring the women's strike, the international women's strike, which says specifically that they want to enshrine abortion as a right in law. So when organizations did things like that, that's what we considered a violation. Mm. And we found 66 instances 
of that taking place with CCHD grantees, either directly, you know, they, they put it on their own social media or indirectly through coalitions, which is also a violation of the grant guidelines. Yeah, you say here 47 out of the 66 organizations profiled in this report are in direct violation of Catholic moral or social teaching. That's 71 percent of all offending organizations. Uh, you point out 22 of these of those violations are abortion related. Six of those are contraception related. Thirty seven of those are violations uh, are LGBTQ related. Ten of those violations are related to Marxism uh, which will tie in nicely to our conversation in the next segment. Uh, is it uh, is is it just that this information was super hard to find, Michael? Which is why it took hmm. you six months to go through it all. I mean, maybe maybe you have to hire investigators. You got to deep dive through data mining. I mean, what does one have to do to find this information? It's got to be too hard for the staff at the CCHD. Well, it's so hard for the staff at the CCHD that they couldn't even remember that an organization that they had previously defunded, the Chicago Workers Collaborative, uh, defunded because they were part of a coalition that was favoring same-sex marriage. They uh, they forgot all about that, and they went ahead and gave them another grant. So that's how hard it was <laughs> to find this information. Who was that organization we defunded that one time? I forget. I, yeah. I don't remember. Anyway, yeah. here's the check. Have a good one. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Chicago Workers Club. And, and the reason that I point that one out is that it is the clearest and surest example of the CCHD just completely blatantly violating its own guidelines. Uh, Chicago Workers Collaborative was defunded very publicly. Even Cardinal George commented on it mm-hmm. um, back in 2013 because they refused to leave this one coalition that had taken a position in favor of same-sex marriage. In response... Um, <clears throat> the CCHD hadn't given them a grant until 2019, and suddenly they're back on the grants list. Wow. They're still a, a dues-paying member of this coalition. In fact, the coalition is now taking a position in favor of abortion. So uh, I, nothing has changed uh, except for the fact that the CCHD is now giving them money again. That's that's incredible. It's hard to believe. Now, I know I've, uh, I've heard this firsthand. Uh, bishops will, will hear of these reports, but they won't read these reports why do you think that is well i think on on the one hand they're lazy um i think on the other hand uh many bishops don't want to know the truth so that they can have plausible deniability Mm -hmm. uh and thirdly i think that many bishops just simply trust their own staff or they're too cowardly and uh will only simply go along with whatever they are told wow that's unbelievable because it's it's tragic we're culpable we're we're paying for this uh, well, I haven't given to CCHD since since I've known you, Michael, for crying out loud. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. I've stopped giving a long time ago now. Uh, I, the, which brings me to the next question. How much money has the CCHD lost as a result to to your efforts to to raise awareness of these troubling issues? Well, that's that's difficult to tell, because as a religious institution, the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops is not required to file a tax form 990. Mm -hmm. Uh, They do file an annual report where we can see how they break down their their um, their budget. But the budget doesn't reflect what they're getting in terms of collections for each of the individual collections. So we don't know what's what what kind of a hit CCHD has taken. Uh, The USCCB has maintained roughly the same budget for the last 50 years. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't know 
in terms of real numbers, what uh, the collection dip has been for the CCHD. Let collection. me ask you a quick follow-up question on that then. So is it possible to track how much money they're granting every year to see if that number has fluctuated? Like, oh, we were used to give out more money, but now we're giving out less, or we give out more now versus less earlier. Is there any way to look at it from that perspective? I, I, I've looked at those numbers, and they tend to be in the same ballpark. Uh, it's it's actually increased slightly over the years, but it, it does fluctuate between uh, nine or ten million on the low end to about fourteen million on the high end. Mm. You know, I was uh, listening to some of your uh, other interviews and some of the uh, looking at your reports, and it blew my mind how much money was given to these organizations. You said about thirty percent of the organizations were were not good. And at least explicitly not good. And mm-hmm. the, uh, the thing was, I used to work for a Catholic charity, which would give out money to different uh, Catholic organizations. And a, a grant of like $2,000 was like, okay, that's that's a significant amount. A grant of $10,000 was huge. But these organizations were receiving, the, at the low end, 50 grand. Could you talk a little bit about how much money these individual organizations were receiving and overall how much money was given to these particular uh, organizations. Sure, a lot of these organizations have been getting money for for well over two decades. Um, and what we've found is that as they've been collecting that money, we we tallied up all of the money that all of these sixty six grantees have received since two thousand four, because that's as far back as the CCHD's grants lists go. Um, collectively, they have all received sixteen point six million dollars wow. since two thousand four. That's a whole lot of money. Um, most of these organizations we've busted before, you know, we've found them promoting bad things and been involved in bad things. And, and, uh, CCHD doesn't seem to give a rip about what we find. Mm. They just turn around and say, oh, the Lepanto Institute, they're just, they, they overstate things and, and they misconstrue or take things out of context. I'm sorry, but when I see an organization saying, Hey, you should attend this hands off our bodies, hands off our votes rally. How am I supposed to take that out of context? That's that's a, a direct statement that you should attend this rally that says we want to enshrine an abortion into law. There's not there's no context here. Uh, they also get really upset because well you didn't contact the organization. I don't need to contact an organization that says you should att- you should attend a pro-abortion rally. I don't need to contact them. They've already mm-hmm. said what they said. Have you heard anything positive from any bishop? Has any bishop said, oh, because of your reports, I'm going to pull funding from CCHD, my diocese won't participate? Or an individual priest or individual priest saying, you know, despite the fact that my diocese is taking up collections, I won't be doing this collection in my diocese? Yes, and it's all done quietly. Um, I, I've had several bishops tell me that they're no longer taking up the collection, um, but they won't make a public announcement. And I've had several bu- priests do the same thing. How much pressure do these bishops receive from superior bishops or from the uh, from the body as the USCCB body as a whole if they don't take up the collection? Do you think? Uh, I, I don't know how much pressure they get, but I can tell you that um, their reluctance to say anything publicly seems to indicate that there is an awful lot of pressure that comes down on them, yeah. especially since they come out and say things that are kind of unpopular on other topics. Right. Okay, we have about uh, two and a half minutes left with Michael Hitchborn, so we're running out of time super fast. Who's the worst defender in this report? Oh, goodness. Well, there's the Ostara Initiative, uh, which it, its logo is straight out of Wicca. 
Um, if you if you look at the organization, even the name is straight out of Wicca. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Ostara Initiative uh, has said multiple times that what they do is they go into prisons and they help women who are incarcerated uh, obtain access to abortion. Uh, we've we've exposed this in 2020. We exposed it in 2021, and they're still getting a grant. They're I think they're on their third grant now. Wow. That's unbelievable. And some, I mean, I'm looking through your uh, lapanto.in.org report here. And uh, one of the things that's really nice and super simple is you got a chart with all of the organizations and where they're from, how much money they've got, the issues that they're supporting that are in violation of what we believe in faith and morals. And you can click, you can just click, uh, you can click their name in the chart and get right down to. to more information about them in the report itself. So super easy. You could share this with your priest, with your bishop, with your friends and your family so that they know, because that collection for most dioceses is coming up, is it not? Yeah, it's this weekend for, for many dioceses. Last weekend, a lot of dioceses already held the collection, but many dioceses around the country are holding uh, the collection this coming weekend. So if they go to lepantoin.org, it's right there front and center. You can just click the uh, click the link, go to the report, start looking through it. And um, I, I highly recommend people contact their priests and bishops and let them know exactly what they're finding and, and tell them, hey, we need answers for one thing. And second of all, please withdraw us from the collection because this is this has been going on for 50 years and nothing's changed. Yeah, I'm looking at the Ostar piece right now. and It's so troubling. I mean, why in the world? With all the options we have and so many people in going uh, who do good things in this world, and you have a list of them on your website as well, uh, why do we choose to give these people our money? It just blows my mind. I can't wrap my head around it. College whiz, please, Lord, save us from this insanity. Michael Hitchborn, Lepanto Institute. Go to lepantoin.org for the report, the details, and so much more. Michael, God bless you. God love you. Thanks for being on with us today. God bless you. God bless your audience. Coming up right after the break, Rudy Carlos has more breaking news and stories than Dr. Paul Kengor is on to talk about Bella Dodd. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever noticed that the world associates fanaticism with religion? But G.K. Chesterton says that the strangest fanaticism that fills our time is the fanatical hatred of morality, especially of Christian morality. It is the irreligious who are fanatical in their hatred of religion. They hate religion because religion is the only basis for morality. They hate morality because it is clear. And they prefer things to be vague. Vague to the point where they can call wrongs rights. But we cannot call something a right when it defies God's laws. We can only call it a sin because all rights come from God. And God is not going to break his own laws. Neither should we. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. It's to truly save souls. It's to save souls. And we have a lot of different media platforms, whether it's through our TV, radio, music, and it's all promoting this culture that is really here to kill, still, and destroy souls. And to have that Catholic voice on the air that is proclaiming the good news and able to touch and transform lives, um, what better thing to support? The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. 
Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired, and now more headlines. The Hill reports, Mormon Church announces support for a same-sex marriage bill. The Mormons have come out in support of a proposed law that would protect the so-called same-sex marriages. They say the doctrine of the Mormon Church related to marriage between a man and a woman is well known and will remain unchanged, they said in a statement. The statement marks a shift from 2008 when the Church heavily supported efforts to pass Proposition 8 in California, which required the state to recognize only marriages between a man and a woman in attempts to prevent officials from granting so-called same-sex marriage licenses. CNA reports construction workers travel hundred, or rather one construction worker, travels hundreds of miles by horse to pay homage to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Here's a good news story for you today. Sergio Ariel Ozan, a 50-year-old, 58-year-old construction worker from the province of Cordoba, Argentina, traveled more than 180 miles on horseback to visit Catamarca and leave his intentions at the feet of Our Lady of the Valley, the virgin he said he has carried in his soul since he was a child. The journey began on November 4th when, mounted on his horse and accompanied by his brother Hugo, began to travel to the capital of Catamarca. On the way, they lacked nothing and there was no inconveniences, a blessing that he attributes to the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary. On the morning of November 10th, on the date on which Argentina celebrates the Day of Tradition, this Cordovan arrived at the feet of Our, Our Lady and uh, said what he felt was indescribable. His devotion to Our Lady of the Valley began many years ago because a chapel in his neighborhood is dedicated to this devotion. There he received the sacraments of Christian initiation, and for that reason he said he carries the Virgin of the Valley in my soul as if she had raised us like a mother. In his community, Ozan also belongs to a gaucho group that bears the name of the Virgin of the Valley. In Argentina, gauchos are known as countrymen traditionally dedicated to cattle raising. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. And uh, boy, whew, I can't wait for this conversation. Dropping tomorrow from Tan Books is The Devil and Bella Dodd, One Woman's Struggle Against Communism and Her Redemption. And I have in my hot little hands here the pre-production copy, which I've been trying to read as much as I possibly could before this conversation. And I need more time with it, to be honest with you. But joining us right now is the co-author of the book, Dr. Paul Kengor. He joins us now via Zoom chat. Good morning to you, Dr. Kengor. Hey, Joe. How are you? Praise be to God. I'm alive, and that counts. How are you? <laughs> Doing pretty good. Pretty good. I'm glad you're here. This is a I mean, I have not. I've only scratched the surface. I've been trying to read as much as I can, I still need more time with it. There's a lot more to re read in this book. But so far, I'm really loving what I'm reading. It's uh, written very well, documented extremely well, uh, very balanced. Because as you know, uh, and as you state in the book, uh, the, ra the debate on Bella Dodd within just Catholic circles is pretty intense. I mean, did she make these claims? Did she not? Did she lie? And can it ever be proven? And I love the fact that you were very honest about that debate. You weren't really trying to pick sides as much as trying to see what the evidence actually says and where that led you. Uh, was there any surprises in your research and your time between you and Dr. Mary Nichols in learning something you didn't know before about Bella Dodd? Well, I was really pleased at how much we, we were able to document. Now, now, so Bella, first of all, Bella Dodd was really famous. I mean, she was probably one of the two or three most well-known female ex-communists in the United States. 
and, and, and really the best-known Catholic convert out of communism, which, uh, which came via Fulton Sheen. I mean, I mean, Joe, she testified before Congress over and over and over again mm-hmm. in the 50s, 60s, gave talks around the country. But she's most famous uh, or maybe infamous, right, within Catholic circles for this claim that's attributed to her where she supposedly said that she helped infiltrate Catholic seminaries with, quote, over a thousand communist men, unquote. And that's all over the Internet. And, and some of what's reported on the Internet, I've been through this so many times, I mean, you, you, someone will send you a link yeah. and it will be like audio of Bella Dodd talking. Right. Mm-hmm. And then and then on the screen comes the claim, the quote of over a thousand communist men. But the audio stops and it's like, wait, where is it? Where is it? Where, <laughs> yeah. where is she saying it? Right. Yeah. But but so we never found audio of her actually saying this but um she she apparently said it to fulton sheen she said it to dietrich von hildebrand and alice von hildebrand Mm -hmm. alice we interviewed for the book she died at age 98 uh, just last january alice said this over and over and over again um on video online in print in memoirs and we even were able to interview um, especially with the help of, of our good friend Kevin Simmons, uh, Paul and Janine Leininger, who actually heard Bella say this at a speech in California in the 60s. And Joe, they did a sworn affidavit on it, yeah. <laughs> which we quote in the book. And we, and, and we also met a woman named Sherry Finn, mm. who, who met Bella with her husband in Plano, Texas, where, where Bella was teaching in the 60s. Sherry is alive, and Sherry went on record saying that she heard it. Um, and then just to add one more thing. So, I mean, we, the longest chapter in the book is, is just on this issue. I know, but yeah. Fulton, yeah <laughs> I read Fulton it. Sheen, right after hearing Bella Dodd's confession— Okay. After a year of about instruction with her, he heard her confession April 7th, 1952, then gets on a boat or plane, goes to Rome, Mm -hmm. speaks at St. Susanna Church in Rome, where he talks about the infiltration happening in, quote, a large American city Mm -hmm. in the year 1936. What he said in that church, Joe, was on the cover of the New York Times. Yeah. I think it was yeah. like April 27th, I think, 1952. I have it in the book. So, but, but Sheen never said anything about it ever again. And we were told by Alice von Hildebrand, among others, that, that Sheen had told Bella not to name names. And she said, she said, she said, Bishop Sheen, I am ready to go into the most penitential order on the planet and make reparation for all the sins that I've done. Mm -hmm. And he told her, he said, no, don't do that. But what I want you to do, and this is what Pius XI told Fulton Sheen to do in the 1930s. He said, I want you to go tell the world about the dangers of communism and its threat to the church in particular. Mm -hmm. So that was her mission or commission at that point. And man, that's really what she did. Yeah, I mean, this book, this chapter alone is worth the price of admission. Let me tell you. Uh, and I think you even state that at the beginning of the chapters, like, I know you're probably <laughs> reading this book because you want to know this chapter. Uh, right, right, what, right. what was this? What was the significance of 1936? It seemed to play a pivotal role in what uh, the Soviets, the communists had in mind as far as infiltrating the West. Yeah, we have documentation that the Soviet Comintern was was, in fact, 
um, you know, directly infiltrating churches worldwide in 1936. And by the way, we know Joe so well, and I've written about this in, in many previous books, that they had thoroughly infiltrated and targeted the mainline Protestant denominations. I mean, that's uh, that's testified over and over again in Congress by Herb Philbrick, Manning Johnson, Ben Gitlow, uh, Louis Boudens. By the way, Louis Boudens also testified to them targeting the Catholic Church. Louis Boudens was another convert of Fulton Sheen, and this one is just great. Uh, it, Sheen brought Louis Boudens into the church while Louis Boudens' name was still on the masthead as the editor of the Daily Worker. Yeah, yeah <laughs> just, amazing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely beautiful. But but 1936 was the year Sheen identified 1936 in that speech in St. Susanna Church, which the New York Times quoted on, on the front page. And that was the height of Bella Dodd's activism. Mm-hmm. I mean, she led a march of a May Day parade in New York in May Day 1936 with 500 communist teachers. Wow, wow. In the state of New York. And and she was, this is how it all began for her. She was a very high-ranking member of the Communist Party, uh, probably the leading female comrade at one point. And she was the leading organizer of the Teachers Front. So she was tasked with penetrating and infiltrating the Teachers Union in the state of New York. And of the 10,000 members of the Teachers Union in the state of New York, she said that she placed a thousand communist teachers in that union. So, by the way, just pause and think about this. A thousand communist members out of a group of 10,000. Well, by and I go through this data in the book, there were about 60,000 priests in America um, around 1960, around the time of Vatican II. So the party had gone to her and said, oh, great, you placed a thousand communist teachers in the teachers union. Let's do a thousand um, comrades in in Catholic seminaries. Bella Dodd would have said, that's a cinch. Mm. You know, that's easy. I mean, I got 10 percent of the teachers union, Mm. Uh, you know, 1000 out of 60,000 priests. um, You know, sure, I can do that. So they she would have considered it completely feasible uh, as something that was not out of the realm of her possibility whatsoever. We're down to just a, a little bit before we have to go to a network break. We're talking with Dr. Paul Kengore. The book is called The Devil and Bella Dodd, One Woman's Struggle Against Communism and Her Redemption. It's published by 10. It drops tomorrow, and you can find it uh, online at uh, tanbooks.com. I've got the pre-production copy. I can't wait to get the, the production copy. Uh, the, the cover looks amazing as well. And there's a lot of questions here. Let me just read this quote before we go to the break real quick. This is from a, uh, uh, a Soviet propaganda study by the Senate Judiciary Committee. It says, in 1955, a former member of the French Communist Party, Albert Vassarot, revealed that in 1936, Moscow had sent out an order to have sure and careful selected members of the communist youth enter seminaries and become priests. Others infiltrated religious communities, particularly the Dominicans. More coming up next. This is Jesuit Father Robert McTague, host of The Catholic Current, where we bring Christ to the world and the world to Christ. We look at current events through the eyes of faith. I hope you'll join us each Monday and Friday for guests and topics you can't afford to miss. That's The Catholic Current, heard Monday and Friday right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern.
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. According to 1 Corinthians 11, receiving communion in an unworthy manner can result in sickness and or death. If communion is simply wafer and juice as opposed to body and blood, doesn't the possibility of sickness and death just seem a little over the top? So here's the three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. First off, in the Bread of Life discourse in John 6, Jesus says, He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwells in me and I in him. Note, he said drink my blood. He did not say drink my wine or grape juice. Well, no comment commentary needed there. Secondly, you going to walk? The disciples did not walk away from Jesus over a symbolic teaching of body and blood. They walked over how literally Jesus was teaching them. Also, they did not walk over the idea that feeding on Christ's body and blood is feeding on the Bible. No, no, no. And thirdly, your new response. My Catholic friend, when you are asked, hey, have you received Christ? Your answer is yes. Every Sunday at Mass, that's how I know objectively that Christ is in me. Be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. The Devil and Bella Dodd, a brand new book out of 10 books, uh, co-written by Dr. Mary Nichols and Dr. Paul Kengor. We're talking to Dr. Kengor about this book. Uh, so let me just set this up real quick, Dr. Kengor. Welcome back, by the way. You know, the question yeah. of, did Bella Dodd actually make the claim? I, you've proven that definitively in the book. I mean, you've given multiple strains of evidence documented. Yes, she actually said that. Uh, then the next question is, well, can it be proven that she actually did it? She might have just been lying because that is one of the things uh, that people will point out. But golly gee whiz, Dr. Ken Gore, in 1961, and when asked in a Q&A session directly whether or not she ever met a communist in the Catholic clergy, she actually said no. And you address that in this book in quite uh, detail. Can you give us that story? Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we go we go through that go through that at great length. And by the way, let me say here on this show, Joe, that if there uh, if there's anybody out there alive who um, who's um, I, of course he'd be alive, <laughs> but who who witnessed or heard Bella Dodd say this in any of her lectures, including the the one in California in the 1960s, attended by like 600, 800 people in, in Orange County, please contact me or please contact the show because I'm sure that there are more people out there. And we're hoping that once this book gets out, people will come out to us and say that, yeah, yeah, they, they heard her say this. But yeah, she addressed it in one Q&A. We walked through that very carefully. And I think the question there was something to the effect of, have you actually met, uh, have you ever met communists among the clergy, right? Mm. And, and, and she kind of hesitates there. I actually have a transcript right in front of me. It's ironic that you asked this. She said, I never met a, cat, a communist uh, who was a member of the Catholic clergy, right? So she's very, she's yeah. usually Careful. very eloquent. She's hesitating there. Now, keep in mind, Fulton Sheen had told her never to name names, Okay. And also at that point in the 1960s, I mean, yeah, she might not have ever actually met somebody who became an ordained Catholic priest that she might have helped recruit. Mm -hmm. And and also, too, when we go through this, and we even quote people like, like, like Solanus Casey, who yeah. talked about, um, yeah, he knew of the Red Infiltration. It was well known in seminaries. And Solanus Casey said these people were usually easily exposed once mm -hmm. they were in there. One of the beauties of, of Catholic seminary 
as compared to some other seminaries and non-Catholic denominations is it's extremely rigorous, mm. right? And, and you've got to go through, you've got to be recommended by the rector. I mean, you don't just come in and hang out there for a couple semesters and then pretty soon you have your own church, right? I mean, you got to do, you got to get up every morning for mass. You got to do the liturgy of the hours. And so how many of these people actually went all the way through and made it all the way through. And then, by the way, by the 1960s, if you were one of those guys that maybe Bella Dodd was in the process of helping to recruit, well, at that, at that moment, she's famous for being this woman who the, the FBI and the McCarthy committee called her the Falcon, right? She, wow. goes, <laughs> she testifies before Congress and exposes people who are communists. So you, you, don't want, you don't want her to know where you are or, mm-hmm. or who you are at, at that point. So at that point, yeah, she might not have met any clergy or knew, or knew who they were. And also, she doesn't tell us what exactly her, her role was in recruiting. Um, just like she did for the teachers unions and other things, she could have been a conduit. She could have been one of among a number of different people on a committee. I doubt Bella Dodd was sitting there somewhere on the Upper East Side in a building, you know, interviewing and screening and doing multiple <laughs> interviews with potential infiltrators who went into the priesthood. Mm. Um, so, so, but, but you know, she clearly said this and then the only question is, to what extent um, were they placed? Did they make it through? And were they successful? You know, I the big question I always had on this whole topic was every time I always heard uh, that Fulton Sheen converted Bella Dodd and she knew of all these communists, I always wanted to know why did Fulton Sheen seemingly not do anything about this information? It didn't seem like there was this uh, expose or this attempt to uncover these people and made famous uh, the book uh, Goodbye, Good Men is clear that these things were happening where good men were kicked out of the seminary and bad men were accepted into the seminary. Uh, What ended up happening in the church? Because it was very clear about the schools uh, from Bella Dodd, but what, what had happened in the church with this whole situation? Well, Alice von Hildebrand said that Sheen and Bella Dodd told her that he was just terribly afraid of causing scandal to the church. And so what he did was uh, you know, he just used the, the pulpit, his TV show, his radio show, his writings. I mean, he wrote books like Communism and the Conscience of the West, yeah. um, which uh, Tan has just reissued, by the way. And, and I mean, was there any more prominent clergyman ever in history of the United States on the Catholic side who spoke out more against communism than Fulton Sheen. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he went on an absolute you know, anti-communist crusade to sound the alarm over and over and over again. So he did what he could, and Bella Dodd did what she could, too. So about the only thing that they didn't do was go out and name names, right? Mm-hmm. And again, by that point, I don't even know if she knew who the names were. I should add this, too, as somebody whose life has been one researching communism, uh, communists destroyed lists of everything. They didn't keep any of this. To this day, there is no list of actual members of Communist Party USA. Oh, wow. And and ask any communist researcher who was asked, well, how many members the Communist Party USA have? People like the late Herb Romerstein, uh, Ron Radosh, and others. Well, I'll say, well, probably in the height of Communist Party USA membership in the 1930s, I don't know, anywhere from 30,000 to 60,000, 50,000 to 100,000. 
we just don't know. They destroyed all of those records. Mm. Um, in, in fact, in, in the Rap Coder hearings, Bella Dodd ordered that uh, that documents be shredded. That they, mm. they, by the way, which was illegal. And she was an attorney, and she knew that was illegal. So if they had any lists of who these clergies, clergy were, they would have set them on fire. Wow. Believe me. Um, th- those kinds of those kinds of, of things do not exist to this day. And the party was meticulous, hell bent on destroying any evidence or mm-hmm. paper trail. So we know your book does a great job of documenting all of this. But and you lay the groundwork before jumping into the specifics on the Catholic side. You laid the groundwork of other communist whistleblowers uh, in uh, Senate hearings or in these hearings. And they're saying, listen, we use these techniques to infiltrate Protestant seminaries, labor unions, the teachers unions. And then uh, and then I sort of may ask the obvious question. Well, if they're doing all of that and it's documented and uh, and it's uh, it's uh, the evidence, you know, shows that, then why wouldn't we believe they did the same thing to the Catholic Church? And then, of course, people bring up that Q&A session that you addressed a minute ago that Bella said, I had uh, I never. Um, let's see. I never met a communist in the clergy. Well, I love what you said when she's res- like right after she says that she has this interaction with Father Keller of the Christophers. Uh, and, and this I'm going to quote you here. It says, quote, and this is a. Uh, uh, Father, this is Bella talking to Father Keller here. She says, quote, you're forming the Christopher's organization. Why don't you establish a national organization so everybody can join? As noted earlier, Keller looked her in the eye and said, Bella, you should know better. In three months, they would infiltrate it and either they would paralyze it or smear it, make it impossible for us to do anything. Close quote. Bella unhesitatingly agreed with Father Keller, noting that communists were the best infiltrators that God ever created. Close quote. So, I mean, you can't even use that Q&A session to uh, to try to discredit the Bella Dodd story. It looks very clear here. I think the one thing, though, is to be able to make that link between Bella did say she's doing this. It looks like she tried to do this, but and things did happen, and your section, your quote with uh, Blessed Solanus Casey uh, was amazing. That was very clear, very detailed. Uh, George Weigel points out that there were, uh, you know, bishops on the take in the Vatican during JP2's uh, reign. Uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Malachi Martin's Book of the Jesuits details the KGB's involvement. You document the KGB involvement with that, uh, the gentleman who came from Prague who uh, defected from the Soviet Union and uh, dimed out the uh, liberation theology movement. I mean, it's all very, very clear, but I think there maybe lacks that uh, smoking gun of Bella Dodd uh, and the evidence of like, yeah, seminarian Bob here was recruited by Bella. That probably doesn't exist. Yeah, it probably doesn't exist. And, and I would caution people, never take one incident in a Q&A on September 1st, 1961, where she seems to be hesitating and answering a question, and then just ignore everything else from all the other testimonies that she said, from, from Fulton Sheen, uh, from Allison Dietrich von Hildebrand. Uh, you know, Paul and Janine Leininger, Sherry Finn, and all these these different people. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you, know, the, you you have to look at the totality of evidence and go back, which is what we did. And 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 also too on on your on your point, Joe. Um, we quote in the book Earl Browder, the head of Communist Party USA, who did the infamous outstretched hand to Catholics in the 1930s. 
And we quote him speaking to um, seminarians at Union Theological Seminary in New York in 1935. And he says, you may be surprised to know that we have actual preachers, preachers active in churches who are members of the Communist Party. So I mean, that's the yeah. head of Communist Party USA, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, they've said this. And we quote Manning Johnson, who testified before Congress. And everybody listening, pause and think about this. This is chilling, okay? He said this, and he left the party, too. He was a famous African-American ex-communist. He said, I know from my own experience working in labor organizations, for example, that we had an organization with 10,000 members, and there were only about 60 or 70 communists, and we controlled the organization. And, and he said it, it is an axiom of infiltrating and organizing that all you need is at best 1% of the membership, highly committed and highly organized, and you can hijack the entire organization. Yeah. And it's happened again and again and again, which is why they didn't feel like they needed, you know, 100,000 priests. You know, you just need a handful in the right places. Mm -hmm. And by the way, if you recruit a thousand, you're not going to get a thousand. That's another key thing. You're not going to place all thousand. But if you can get 50 of them in the right places in the Vatican. Yes. Right. And uh, you, I mean, I, that, you that's yeah, what you need. And you point that out, too. And you do the math. You're like, OK, 1936. If these guys do make it through seminary, by the time Vatican II comes around, they're monsignors, possibly bishops, and they're having key and pivotal influence in the council itself. And there's a whole section on Vatican II in this book that I got to spend more time on. We'll have to have you back, Dr. Paul oh, Kingdor. I'd love to come back. I'm sure. very excited about this book. I'm very grateful that Tan Books sent it to us to review and to have this conversation. Check it out. Online, tanbooks.com. It drops tomorrow. The Devil and Bella Dodd, One Woman's Struggle Against Communism and Her Redemption. Dr. Paul Kingor, God love you, my brother. Thank you, and have a great day. Thank you, Joe. Take care. All right, that's going to do it for hour number one. What a powerful hour. Uh, David L. Gray is going to be on the top of the next hour. Mormon Church embracing gay marriage. What's that about? All that plus the game show and much, much more. Go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Catholic Radio gives us something all day, every day, to fill our lives with our faith. We are completely inundated by the world constantly. Every time you go out shopping, the music that's playing, the, the visuals that you see, TV, everything, we need Catholicism filling our minds. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. When you walk into your non-denominational church or your megachurch, what do you see? What stands out to you? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, observations in a Catholic church. You will notice at least eight items, all of which have religious, historical, or biblical significance. Secondly, what are those items? As soon as you walk in, the can't miss baptismal font, a stone altar, stained glass windows, 14 stations of Christ's passion, statues, a gold tabernacle, a lit candle near the tabernacle, and a large crucifix. Thirdly, my take. So, what seems to fill your church and truly move you toward Jesus? Oh, I know you don't need a physical or superfluous objects to move you toward Jesus. He's everywhere and in your heart. And that is true. But tell that to Moses, David, and Solomon, who were under strict and exact directions from God on how to build his house and then fill it with his Shekinah glory. I mean, does a comfy chair, does a flashy Fender guitar, does a well-fashioned stage move you toward contemplation and holiness? Remember, stages are for entertainment, but sanctuaries are for worship. 
Hey, Donnie, what two important things do we receive when we go to Mass? Scripture and the Eucharist. Great job. You're so smart. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox, goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT and get signed up today. Hi, I'm Father Preston Cantella from Our Lady of Perpetual Help in Sweeney and St. John the Apostle in West Columbia. You're listening to the AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Boy, I kind of wish I had, uh, could have read every single page before interviewing King Gore. There was so much to wrap your head around. This book is like, uh, what is, what is that? That's at least an inch and a half, you think? Nah, that's an inch. No way. That's totally an inch and a half. Inch and a quarter? Can I get an inch and a quarter? Whatever this part of your at finger least. is, is an inch. Oh, man, I need a ruler. Uh, it's it's thick, let's just say it. Can we, can we agree it's thick? Would is you it agree big type? Is What's it, the size of the type? Uh, I, I have to wear extra glasses for this. What is that, 10-point uh, font there? I'm not even sure. <laughs> I don't know. Great book, though. Great, great book. You know, and I, I find it was just so fairly written, and it uh, addresses all the the real arguments and, and whatever, you know, like, oh, man, it's so good. Really got to get him back. There's so much more I want to ask about how, uh, you know, there was a, there's, there's conversation about whether or not Bella Dodd had a, had a child. She got married to a man by the name of John Dodd. There's rumors that they had a child, and they tried to track this information down. It looks as though they probably did have. He's he's actually measuring it. Adrian's measuring it. Was it an inch? Inch and a, a little over an inch. Little over an inch. I was right. How many sixteen? I nailed it. Like maybe two sixteen. I nailed it. <laughs> it's I, an inch. It was closer to an inch and a half than it was an inch. No, it isn't. <laughs> an inch and two sixteen. Anyway, so the question was whether or not she had a child. They tried to track this child down. They weren't able to verify any identity. So there was some mystery around that. The Communist Party trying to uh, hide that up, uh, hide that, cover that, similar to uh, to some of these other organizations today, uh, just blows my mind. Blows my mind. There's so much to cover here. And we're going to have to have him come back and then maybe get into more specifically about how Fulton Sheen um, played a role in her life and, and all that. Here's a question, though. Let me ask you this. Okay. Does it bother you? That Fulton Sheen forbade her from naming names. He names a couple of names, by the way, in the book. A couple of uh, clergy member names are named in the book. So I'm trying to wrap my head around why she had this gag order, mm-hmm. right? She wouldn't. She wouldn't talk about it. Mm-hmm. She wouldn't do anything about it. <clears throat> I think that Fulton Sheen was a patriot, and the only thing that makes sense to me ab- mm-hmm. about that and, and and if i could tie that into this situation here i think he probably thought that if she said something it would compromise the investigations that were already taking place into these communists yeah so he probably said don't say anything 
Mm-hmm. It's going to get taken care of, but it didn't. I think I think my bet is on uh, what Paul Kingor was saying that it was the whole point of scandal that he just didn't want to scandalize the church. There, and, yeah, that could be too. And I think that's that was the whole worldview. That really has been the whole worldview of the church up to today. Yeah. Um, and that's why. But doesn't it that was frustrate norm. you though? It, it does. It is frustrating, but you know. It's not. It's, it lacks it's foresight. It lacks foresight. I think. I, like and, I understand. In one sense, it's I good. understand. I understand because the same thing with Padre Pio. There was a particular archbishop and a priest who tag teamed to to try to suppress him. They did not like him at all, mm-hmm. and they had some powerful friends at the Holy Office at the Vatican, and they leveraged that to manipulate the Pope to mm-hmm. suppress him. And then one of Padre Pio's devotees, uh, who maybe had less uh, scruples and obedience than Padre did, dug up all the perverse dirt on these particular prelates and published a book about it, and the Vatican bought every copy. And then when this guy's like, oh, yeah, well, I'll hold a press conference and tell the whole world, they forced Padre Pio to call this guy at the day of the, of the press conference and call it all off, which Padre did. And because uh, there was like, hey, listen, we're not going to have any public scandal in the deal. And I can appreciate that. But nonetheless, the wolves are inside the sheep pen, people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we got to do something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I, I am very conflicted about it because, you know, it's a very American mindset that we want everything. We want as much information, yeah, freedom of speech. Everything needs to be yeah. out in the public. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a very American mindset. However, it's at the American. same time. You know, I think I think the balance might be if there are people who are doing something about it, then it's okay to keep it under wraps and try to work in-house. But if no one's doing anything about it, then it needs to be exposed. Yeah. And I think that might be a more balanced idea. So I don't know if I agree or disagree with Fulton Sheen's tactic. I don't know. He may have been done the right thing. Okay. I don't know. That's okay. Well, dear listener, you can let us know what you think in the after show, second half of this hour on one of the live video feeds. Just go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. You can check out one of the live video feeds, comment directly your thoughts. But joining us now all the way, speaking of Merkin, all the way from uh, Deutschland, our good friend, David L. Gray. Good morning to you, David. How's it going, gentlemen? Praise be to God. We are alive. And that counts. How are you? Yeah. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm doing great. It's about uh, 2 o'clock in the afternoon here. I just had some Popeyes. Now I'm on a Catholic drive time show. They Popeyes have, they in have Germany? Popeyes in Germany? <laughs> he, he, on, on base, they do. Oh, yeah. I see. I did. Now, have you already begun the process of drinking Fanta? Oh, wow. Yeah. You know about this. Of course. I live there. Of course. <laughs> Man, Fanta. Good stuff, Fanta. Yeah, or Fanta, as they call it here, Fanta. I always, what do they know? I call it Fanta. (laughs) Uh, Now, what is your opinion? Do you think, do you think uh, Bella Dodd should have named names? Do you think it was prudent to keep that information secret until her death? Or do you think she should have? Joe, you know, I'm all about dropping names. If you don't (laughs) drop a name, you know, how legitimate is your, like, is your information? You got to keep the receipts. You got to drop a name. Yeah. But but I like like what you said about, um, you or Rodolfo, you were were saying that, well, maybe that they were trying to protect, you know, the whole communist thing that that was going on with the investigation at that time. I think that's a reasonable (laughs) reasonable argument why why she wouldn't. But, Mm -hmm. you know, it'd been great if she did. 
At yeah. least write them down somewhere. Make it like the yeah. Make it like the the fourth secret of Fatima or something like. Just drop. Just write <laughs> we would down be the debating that then. It would that would be a debate all by itself. <laughs> Speaking of debates, it seems interesting to me. You know, when people think of the Mormons, they think of them as family friendly. Like that's a common theme you're going to hear a lot uh, when people comment and talk about the Mormons. Oh, they're very family focused, very family friendly. Uh, well, they just came out in total support of same-sex marriage bill, which, by the way, the Senate is trying to cram through today in a vote. And there are many Republicans uh, who are going to support that. Just keep that in mind. Uh, but I find this bizarre. Did you see this story? And what were your thoughts, David O'Gray? I thought it was really just a what a change in um, their, their previous position. It, it, it goes along with how fast this whole agenda has been moving um, just what under two decades ago. I mean, the Mormons and the Catholic Church, they were working hand in hand in California to stop. I believe that at that time was a proposition. Prop eight, eight. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And so they're working hand in hand um, to stop that. So now, as you say, so the Respect for Marriage Act, which has been in Congress a long time and looks now to be close to passing, what it's going to do is going to reveal, repeal the 1996 Defense of Marriage Act. And it's going to require all U.S. federal governments, um, the U.S. government to recognize the validity of same-sex marriage and interracial marriage. And so this has been a big push ever since um, um, Dobbs v. Jackson um, and Clarence Thomas, just Clarence Thomas was saying, hey, we repealed, we, you know, we turned back this. Abortion is not in Constitution, but neither is marriage in the Constitution, neither is same-sex marriage. So they, they've been yeah. pushing this. And um it does, the, 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 it does have a, a compromise in there. They've reached a compromise so that this act is not supposed to infringe upon religious freedom. So, so, but so, we're, the Mormon's position is that yeah, we still define marriage as between being between man and woman or woman's, you know, depending upon you know where they want to land on that. But, um, but long as this doesn't interfere with. Our religious freedom, we're okay with the government redefining marriage. It doesn't really affect us. So they want to keep their position and then allow us, and then say, well, government, you can have your own position, which is a really strange way to consider truth. I think if something is true, mm-hmm. then it's worthy of defending in season and, and out of season. Amen. So now we just have the question whether what they really believe about marriage being between one man and one one man and woman or is is really what they believe or yeah. is is or are they really just falling into just secularism and relativism well some are saying uh some are saying that it's possible that the mormon church is coming out in support of this same-sex marriage bill uh because they might see it as a stepping stone towards having polygamy back legally because once you've once you've taken away the standard well then aren't all options on the table and if you're going to marry uh, same sex, then why can't uh, you have multiple wives or, I guess, multiple husbands? I don't know. It, what, have you thought about that, David O'Gray? Yeah, I think we have to remember that the Mormons' position in the late 1800s only changed because the laws of the government had changed. And, and so here we are in the late 1890s, and um, and there were, there was, uh, the, you know, the laws of the, uh, the government was changing. They were starting to be persecuted. In fact, some of their land was starting to be seized, and they were, they were scared their temples were going to be seized. And so what they thought was a revelation from God that a man can have um, multiple wives, 
um, they they changed that because it became more expedient for them um, not to. So their their position only changed because the law had changed. Yeah. So now we know that this is a slippery slope, as we like to say. We know that you know this may lead. This probably is going to lead to you know once you restart redefining marriage, this is going to you know we're going to keep redefining it. So yeah, this could be a backdoor way to um, reinstitute their belief that one man can have multiple wives. Mm. I, I, it's, it's, it's pretty clever if that's the case. Now I just don't understand these so-called conservatives that will support this. I mean, if you're not conserving marriage, then I I find it suspect that you claim to be conserving the life issue with abortion because they're they're linked. I mean, life comes from. A man and a woman, and they ought to be married, and that is the foundation not just of life in the world, but of society itself. So if you tear apart that foundational uh, stone of society, then I just don't think that we are going to truly have a pro-life world in front of us. How do you see it, David O'Gray? Yeah, I agree 100% with you. Once, once you redefine marriage, you redefine family, but marriage has been redefined so many times. It's redefined when free will divorce was allowed. It's been redefined with contraception. Then it was marriage again, redefined with abortion. Marriage and family, as you, you say, they go hand in hand. So I'm not surprised that we have many politicians in all these polit- in all the political parties. Surprising, yes, the, the Republicans, but I'm not surprised that you, you do have these small groups that continue to be more inclined to go along with the world than divine revelation. And like what well, I think what your previous guest said was that um, with, with Bella Dodd, what she was, uh, what her, one of her interviews was saying, it only takes, you know, just a little bit of yeast, right? Yeah. Just a little bit of yeast. Yeah. Just, take, just takes a couple. And so, yeah, you, you, you do, I mean, you, you just need a couple of Republicans mm-hmm. to just really sell out the whole, the whole world, whole society, government. Yeah, it it ought to be very interesting. I mean, I think they're they really are trying to uh, make sure that they codify this before the Obergefell decision gets uh, repealed, like the Roe decision did. So, well, let's pray fast and do penance because that vote's happening today, no matter how you voted in the midterms. <laughs> that vote is happening today, nonetheless. That's pretty scary. But uh, uh, almost out of time here with David O'Gray. So, uh, how's how's Germany going for you right now? I, I, did you get a job? I mean, like, what's what's life like for you over there right now? Well, yeah, I was doing a whole trophy husband thing. Got bored <laughs> working out. And, you know, I think you make a great trophy day, husband. Shopping. <laughs> but no, I got a really um, so I'm working um, you know, doing substitute teaching, and oh, I'm also a pastoral life coordinator at the biggest, you know. Catholic community in the military, so it's a really, it's a really cool job. Yeah, praise be to God. Congratulations. Yeah. Have you adjusted to uh, to the German culture? You know, but now, Joe, I'm around, around, Mar- around Americans most of the day, right? So <laughs> really? It's, it's Come different on, now man. You got to get out more. Yeah. <laughs> when are you going to take your first uh, road trip and go see that? Oh, the- we've been up to Luxembourg. I did Have the Luxembourg you? thing. Took a wow. train there. Hey now, uh, went went to Holy Mass in French. It was is in French language, nice. and like the he, priest could have been saying all types of heretical things, <laughs> and he could have said the next pope should be a woman. It was but the I DJ what, priest. It sounded really good. I mean, the French language is so beautiful. It is. So it is quite that lovely. Trip all right, so. enough shenanigans. David L. Gray, David L. Gray. Info. God love you, David. Thanks for hanging out with us and having a having a chat today. We look forward to having you back next week. All right, time to play our game show, Fear and Trembling. Well, you might learn, you might laugh, and you may even win prizes. 
It's a lot of fun. If you would like to play, call right now. Phone lines are open for you at 877-757-9424. First caller gets to play the game at 877-757-9424. That is 877-757-9424. Call right now. The Bible says to call no man father. So why do we call our priests father? In Matthew 23, verse 9, it says, And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Notice that this verse makes no distinction between spiritual fathers, which is what priests are, and biological fathers. This passage says that no man is to be called father. Therefore, you cannot distinguish between calling a priest father and calling the man who is married to your mother father. But is that actually what this passage is saying? Or is Jesus warning us against trying to usurp the fatherhood of God, which is what the Pharisees and scribes were doing? They wanted all attention focused on them. They were leaving God, the Father, out of the equation. And even if you just interpret this passage from Matthew 23 as an absolute ban against calling anyone your spiritual father, then there are some problems for you in the rest of Scripture. For example, Jesus in the story of Lazarus and the rich man in Luke 16 has the rich man referring to Abraham as father several times. Paul in Romans 4 refers to Abraham as the father of the uncircumcised, the Gentiles. Spiritual fatherhood, not biological fatherhood. In Acts 7 and then in Acts 22, first Stephen and then Paul referred to the Jewish priests and elders as brothers and fathers. Spiritual fatherhood. So if you interpret Matthew 23 as saying we cannot call anyone our spiritual father, then you have to believe that Jesus, Paul, and Stephen all got it wrong. It is okay to call priests our spiritual fathers today. We are simply imitating the example given us by Jesus, Paul, and Stephen, all of whom who used the term in a spiritual sense. As long as we remember that our true father is God the Father and that all aspects of our fatherhood, biological and spiritual, are derived from him. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and fear and trembling. Catholic trivia game show. You feeling okay, Jack? <gasps> what secrets <laughs> is that about? You had a hard time breathing? There's, there's fear <laughs> and, and trembling. So we're fearing and we're trembling. But uh, nonetheless, there are some things we like to do on the game show. Number one, we like to teach the faith. So we do that in a sneaky little way. You might learn something you didn't know before about the Catholic faith and praise be to God for it. And then, of course, we like to have a laugh, a chuckle, a good time, and our callers laugh with us. We enjoy that most, I would argue. And then we give out prizes, which means we are manipulated. I mean, which means uh, you could win. You could laugh and you could learn. You see, it's a winner for everybody involved. But here's the kicker. The secret sauce in all of this is we don't ask the caller. They may not know a single correct answer, but could still win our game. Because instead of asking them, I shall ask Rudy. I shall ask Adrian. One of which will give us a correct answer. The other will give us an incorrect answer. The caller will then have 15 seconds to make a decision. Whomst do they trust more? 
Rudy or Adrian? Every correct answer at that point will go into the coffee cup at Divine Providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Praise be to God. You ever been in Mass and you're thinking to yourself, wow, Father's really, really dropping a truth bomb right now. I got to remember this. And then you go home and you're like, oh, what did he say? What was that inspiration? Well, that's going to change because if you win this week's prize, which happens to be the Every Sacred Sunday uh, Mass Journal, you're going to remember all of those inspirations because you're going to be able to write them down next to all of the readings that are available for every Sunday Mass. This uh, Every Sacred Sunday Mass Journal actually is for it's for the female uh, variety here. But uh, I suppose if you're a man, you could put a, a, a book cover on it and still use it. Or you can give it away. But this prize was generously given to us by Gloria Lopez. And we just want to say thank you so much for giving us something to give away for our game show this week. <laughs> Thanks, Rudy, for uh, <laughs> for uh, alienating every guy. Not but, exactly. Almost, you could uh, give it away as a gift. Christmas yeah. is right are you around a, the corner. Are you a journalist? I mean, do you journal? Have you ever journaled? Am I a journalist? Do you journal? Do you journal? <laughs> Wife, girlfriend, daughter, yeah. sister. There's always somebody we can give it to. That's true. Okay. No, I am not a journalist. Not a journalist. Interesting. We should talk about that in the after show. How many guys out there are journal? They, do they journal? I used to, I used mm. to do it when I was doing the spiritual mm. exercises, but... Uh, okay. Nah, that can make some not sense typically. there. Let's go to the phones. Colby, good morning to you. Thanks for being on our program. Good morning. Praise be to God, Colby. I love your name, by the way. Thank uh, you. I'm actually named after St. Maxbury and Colby. Amen. I have a son named I was thinking Colby Max. Cheese, but that makes way more sense. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty close. <laughs> uh, where are you calling from, Colby? I'm in San Antonio, Texas. I got a St. Joseph's Honey Creek. Hey, now. Praise be to God. Now, you realize, Colby, that San Antonio, Texas is... An amazing town, and it's not just because I'm from there, right? There are other reasons, too. It's because of the Smith Valley Rangers? Um, I hadn't heard that one before, <laughs> but I do know no. that uh, the mighty Jets and Rockets, uh, they hail from there, so praise be to God. They do. Yeah, yeah, true story. All right, Kobe, are you familiar with the game? Do you know how this whole thing works? Oh, yeah, we listen every day. Oh, well, praise God. Well, we're grateful to you for listening every day. Let's see if we can't get you in the cup with a, a good Perfect. amount of uh, opportunity today. We're going to start with uh, Brother Rudy Carlos. And you should know, Colbe, he has gone back to his old ways. <laughs> he's, uh, he's not just wearing a jacket today, uh, but he's wearing a bow tie, too. All right. So take that into consideration. It's blue. Uh, what is the tie? The bow tie. The bow tie. It's yeah. the, it, what are those? The paisleys again? Uh, this is a foulard pattern. A what pattern? A foulard pattern. A foulard? That's right. Foulard? Foulard. Is that French or? I think so. Foulard. 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 Okay. I don't know what it means. Don't ask Neither me. do I. Hopefully that's not a question we have to ask. Like, that's not one of the questions, right? <laughs> that's the first question. What is foulard? Okay, that's not. That's not. All right. Are you ready, sir? I am ready. Let's go with the easy one first. All right. Who is the patron saint of secretaries? A patron saint of secretaries and other things. Kind of a strange combination of other things like comedy, comedians. It's St. Genesius. St. Genesius? Maybe there's uh, some sort of connection between being a funny guy and being a secretary. Like funny I amuse you? Something like, like that. funny haha. Hey, can you give me that document? <laughs> can I? Okay, St. Genesius, you say. St. Genesius. All right, let's just see. Adrian, I know that you are funny. I watch your Twitter feed carefully, so that's how I know it. But could you tell me, who is the patron saint of secretaries? 
Well, my dad did say that I was funny looking, so. <laughs> uh, but I like to inform him that I look like him. Uh, Ooh, the ouch. the patron saint of secretaries mm-hmm. is Saint Scholastica. Why did you say it like that? I have no idea. Why did you introduce the show like that? Because it's fear and trembling for crying out loud. It's context, my friend. All right. It just sounds like you're out of breath. Right. You said, okay, my man here. You said uh, the patron saint of secretaries was Saint Scholastica? That's right. Saint Scholastica. All right, uh, Colbay in San Antonio. Great town, by the way. Uh, who is the patron saint of secretaries? Adrian seems to think it's Saint Scholastica. Whereas Rudy is suggesting it's St. Genesius. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Colbe, what I'm say you? I'm going to go with Rudy. Wow. Sure? <laughs> <laughs> Did, uh, was that enough time for you to Google that, Colbe? I mean, no way you could have known that uh, ahead of time, right? I just wanted to go with Rudy. Okay. That's what, a guy. That's what a guy. What a guy. There you go. What a guy. Smart move. Mm. All right. Let's see if we can't get you in there twice, because that is the correct answer. St. Genesius is the right answer. But let's see here. Okay. A, a sacramental question. Adrian? Uh-oh. Okay. Ready? Yes. What is the term for a recipient of the sacrament of penance? What do we call that? Ah, uh, Yes. The term for a recipient, meaning the person who receives yeah. the sacrament of penance, yes. is the milstonated. The milstonated. Whoa. <laughs> I, that, that verse just popped into my head. Yeah, I know. Better than so to be never born. Than you better get to confession. Milstone, or you might be milstonated. Tossed into the ocean. Okay, milstonated. Milstonation? Milstonate? What was it? The milstonated. The milstonated. I hear they throw them okay. in the Mariana Trench. Wow. That's deep. That's deep and profound. <laughs> uh, Rudy, can you tell me, what is the term for a recipient of the sacrament of penance? <laughs> a penitent. I'm sorry. Are you, uh, are you, you should have done the breath in. Is that, is that like required or? <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was a good one. That was a good one. I had some. All right. What is the term for a recipient of the sacrament of penance, Colbe? Uh, Rudy says it's called penitent. Mm-hmm. Or is it millstonated, as Adrian is suggesting? 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Colbe, what Go say you? Rudy again. Wow. Are you sure? Yeah. Wow. Penitent is the correct answer. Well played, sir. Next time you say a a correct answer, say Colby. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Praise be to Jesus. All right. You're in for two. We could go for a third perfect uh, game today. A perfect uh, third correct answer, perfect game. But I'm going to be honest with you. This could be a tricky question. This is the easiest question we've ever had. Yeah, n- take note of who said that. It's so back. easy. Mm-hmm. The only way you can get this wrong mm-hmm. is if Joe tricks you. <laughs> no way. <laughs> no way. I'm on your side, Colby. You know that, right? It's just me. Like oh, yeah. a good neighbor. And you. Just like a good neighbor. <laughs> Joe McLean's there. <laughs> All right, here we go. Back to Rudy Carlos. Okay. Now, Rudy. Okay, Rudy. What is the name of the largest church on planet Earth. <laughs> I'm laughing because it's in the middle of nowhere. Is it? <laughs> what? It's Our Lady of Victory Basilica in Lackawanna, New York. Are you? What? Wow. Lackawanna? <laughs> Lackawanna. Lackawanna. Lackawanna, mm. New York. Lackawanna, New York. Like I want to be there. 
I got, got it. Okay. Our Lady of Victory, though. I That's like right. the title. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite nice. You're saying it's a basilica. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Our Lady of Victory Basilica, Lackawanna, New York, you say. Okay. And it's the biggest by just two inches. So, R- what? Wow. Who pulled Random out the number. tape measure for that? They're like, like Texas, like Austin's uh, yeah, capital like the building. Yeah, flagpole, okay. right? <laughs> All right, uh, brother Adrian, let's see what you have to say here. Uh, I know that you have advanced degrees in big churchology, mm, uh, so hopefully mm, you mm, might be able to help mm, us out here. Mm. Uh, Dr. Fonseca, could you tell me what is the name of the largest church on earth? Yes, well, as uh, someone who identifies with a PhD in largest church, specifically uh-huh. largest church, was that, was that your, would be, okay. that was my PhD, yes. Ah, okay, yeah. Uh, that would be St. Peter's Basilica, and I actually have been to Lackawanna. Okay, that's yeah. a little on the nose there. St. Peter's Basilica. All right, Kobe, is it St. Peter's Basilica in Rome, as Adrian suggests, or Our Lady of Victory Basilica in Lackawanna, New York? 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Kobe, what say you, good sir? Well, never been to Rome yet, and of course, that's where the mother house is, so I'm going to go with Adrian. <laughs> Way to go, Kobe! Qualification, Kobe. Good job. You know, my sister's painting an awesome painting Mm -hmm. of Max Colby Mm -hmm. right now. You know what Kobe didn't say? He didn't say Adrian is correct. Wow! (laughs) I hear him say it all the time. He just said, "I have to go." Don't worry, Kobe. Forced to go. Don't worry, Kobe. You're now smarter, faster, stronger, wiser, more handsome, younger. All by going with Adrian. I have to admit, Adrian is correct. That high team. Saint Peter's Basilica was the correct answer. Is the largest church on earth and i have been there it is a blessed incredible place to go god bless you kobe you were fun thanks for playing our game you got all three right you're in the cup you might win sir thank you it was fun kobe have a great day and again thanks for listening we appreciate having you on the team i'm gonna put you on hold don't go anywhere that's gonna do it for the radio side of our show we'd love to hear from you dear audience what did you think about our bella dodd conversation or our hitchborn or david o'gray conversation comment in the live video feed at grnonline.com forward slash c d t we'll see you tomorrow thank you for joining us on your catholic drive time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Good morning and welcome to Holy Mass from Our Lady of Corpus Christi. Today we celebrate the memorial of St. Gertrude. We offer this Holy Sacrifice of the Mass for all of our online viewers and all those listening in the Guadalupe Radio Network. To Jesus Christ, our Sovereign King, who is the world's salvation, all praise and homage do we bring, and thanks and adoration. 
Christ Jesus, victor, Christ Jesus, ruler, Christ Jesus, Lord and Redeemer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Let us pray. O God, who prepared a delightful dwelling for yourself in the heart of the Virgin Saint Gertrude, graciously bring light through her intercession to the darkness of our hearts, that we may joyfully experience you present at work within us. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Reading from the book of Revelation. I, John, had a vision of an open door to heaven, and I heard the trumpet-like voice that had spoken to me before, saying, Come up here, and I will show you what must happen afterwards. At once I was caught up in spirit. A throne was there in heaven, and on the throne sat one whose appearance sparkled like jasper and carnelian. Around the throne was a halo as brilliant as an emerald. Surrounding the throne I saw twenty-four other thrones, on which twenty-four elders sat, dressed in white garments, and white and with gold crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. Seven flaming torches burned in front of the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. In front of the throne was something that resembled a sea of glass, like crystal. In the center and around the throne were four living creatures, covered with eyes in front and in back. The first creature resembled a lion. The second was like a calf. The third had a face like that of a man, and the fourth looked like an eagle in flight. The four living creatures, each of them with six wings, were covered with eyes inside and out. Day and night they do not stop exclaiming, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to the one who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the twenty-four elders fall down before the one who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They throw down their crowns before the throne, exclaiming, Worthy are you, Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. Because of your will they came to be and were created. The word of the Lord. Thanks. Holy, holy, holy 
Lord, mighty God. Praise the Lord in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his strength. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him for his sovereign majesty. Holy, 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 Lord, mighty God. Praise him with the blast of trumpet. Praise him with lyre and harp. Praise him with timbrel and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Holy, 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 Lord, mighty God. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with clanging cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Alleluia. Holy, 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 Lord, mighty God. Alleluia. 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 I chose you from the world to go and bear fruit that will last, says the Lord. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. While people were listening to Jesus speak, he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near Jerusalem, and they thought that the kingdom of God would appear there immediately. So he said, A nobleman went off to a distant country to obtain the kingship for himself and then to return. He called ten of his servants and gave them ten gold coins, and told them, Engage in trade with these until I return. His fellow citizens, however, despised him and sent a delegation after him to announce, We do not want this man to be our king. But when he did returned after obtaining the kingship, he had the servants called, to whom he had given the money, to learn what they had gained by trading. The first came forward and said, Sir, your gold coin has earned ten additional ones. He replied, Well done, good servant. You have been faithful in this very small matter. Take charge of ten cities. Then the second came and reported, Your gold coin, sir, had earned five more. And to this servant, too, he said, You take charge of five cities. Then the other servant came and said, Sir, here is your gold coin. I kept it stored away in a handkerchief, for I was afraid of you, because you are a demanding man. You take up what you did not lay down, and you harvest what you did not plant. He said to him, With your own words I shall condemn you, you wicked servant. You knew I was a demanding man, taking up what I did not lay down, and harvesting what I did not plant. Why did you not put my money in a bank? Then on my return I would have collected it with interest. And to those standing by he said, Take the gold coin from him, and give it to the servant who has ten. But they said to him, Sir, he has ten gold coins. He replied, I tell you, to everyone who has, more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Now as for those enemies of mine who did not want me as their king, bring them here and slay them before me. After he had said this, he proceeded on a journey up to Jerusalem. The Gospel of the Lord. There's a rather funny meme on the, on the internet of a man who sees a sign in someone's house and it says, live, laugh, love. 
And he said, oh, I'm so glad I saw that sign. Otherwise, I wouldn't know that I had to live and laugh and love. And, you know, it's, it's funny, but it is a terrifying thing to love. It's a terrifying thing to be fully alive. And perhaps by this reason and perhaps by the goading or the temptation of the evil one, it's possible to get into a point where you're afraid to let go of control, to be truly fully alive and to choose to be fully alive in, in, in God, you know, because God is the one who took this huge risk in creating you. He took a, a huge risk in endowing you with gifts, and it's actually his money. He, it, you are his creation. And for this reason, because everything is his, if this life, even your very soul, belongs to God. For that reason, because it's, you know, his money, because it's his investment, that's the reason why we can choose to not be afraid to be fully alive, to risk living and loving. Uh, and that really is what Jesus is talking about, is, is that, it, it, it can be terrifying to take a chance and risk your life by, uh, you know, choosing to make fruitful the gifts that God has given. And there's a tendency to, you know, like the ostrich stick our head in the sand and say, I don't, I don't know if I want to do this. But much more great to those who have that joy and that, that, that courage that comes from being loved by God to be fully alive and to make that risk. And there's a couple of things that we can remember. that If God Almighty, God the Father, is going to deposit, so to speak, his divine eternal son in our humanity, namely the Blessed Virgin Mary, and make that investment, which is a, a frightening risk, then, and then, you know, he gives his life, sacrifices his life at, at Calvary, and brings forth this super abundant fruitfulness of this investment and brings forth eternal life and the resurrection, if that's the case, there's no reason why we can't imitate him and do the same. And, you know, we have every, we're here at this holy sacrifice of the Mass, and this is really where we have to look at as the bank. The, the Eucharist is where we deposit all of our offerings, our sacrifices, our words, our, our actions, our lives, our relationships, everything, we make that deposit with Jesus and we allow him to unite his sufferings to our own and to offer them for us, to offer our sufferings, offer our life, our very life with him. And we do that through our broker, the Blessed Mother. She is the mediatrix of all graces and she will make fruitful this uh, the sacrifice. And we have the example of so many different uh, investors who have done so well, like St. Gertrude, uh, you know, St. Margaret of Scotland, we have these saints who have given us this beautiful example uh, of, of how to be fully alive, how to truly love, even though loving and being loved by God is a, is a terrifying thing, and it means that we have to let go of control, and uh, that's not easy, but because they have done it, and because Jesus kind of holds our hand through this whole investment process, it's not just the possible thing, but it's the only right thing for us to do because if he has, he has deposited everything in us and taken this risk on us, our way of saying, I love you too, 
is by risking to choose to not be afraid and fully develop the gifts that he has given us and the relationships that he's given us and bring them forth to a superabundant fruitfulness. Let us bring our petitions to the Lord. We pray for the whole church, that it may shine forth the holiness of Jesus Christ to the nations. We pray that God would raise up saints of this generation. For this we pray to the Lord. We pray for our Holy Father, O bishops and priests, that they may preach the gospel with intrepid courage in season and out of season. For this we pray to the Lord. We pray for our government leaders that they may not obstruct Christ, for an end to abortion, same-sex unions, gender confusion, and human trafficking. For these we pray to the Lord. We pray for the sick, the suffering, the poor. We pray to the Lord. We pray in this month of November for all the souls in purgatory, especially those enrolled in the Salt Mass Association, and all of our beloved dead. For these we pray to the Lord. Eternal and blessed Father, we ask you to hear us, for I make these and all our petitions in the holy name of Jesus Christ, and through the powerful intercession of the Immaculate Virgin Mary, as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Father, we adore you. Lay our lives before you. How we love you. Jesus, we adore you. Lay our lives before you. How we Spirit, we adore you. Lay our lives before you. How we love you. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. We bring the offerings of our devotion to be consecrated by you, O Lord, in commemoration of St. Gertrude. For by the consolation you give us in this life, you show that we should not lose hope of what is promised for eternity through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere, to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, for in the saints who consecrated themselves to Christ for the sake of the kingdom of heaven, it is right to celebrate the wonders of your providence, by which you call human nature back to its original holiness and bring it to experience on this earth the gifts you promise in the new world to come. And so with all the angels and saints, we praise you as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenis Uncelia Terra, Gloria Tua, 
Hosanna in excelsis, benedictus, qui venit in nomine domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and giving thanks broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. A mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, Michael, our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the Blessed Apostles, and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be coerced to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Row him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours, forever and ever. Amen. Procepti salutaribus moniti, et divini institutioni formati, audimus dicere, Pater noster, qui es in celis, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, Fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis hodie, 
et emit en nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus, debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amahalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. On your staying, we totally speak out of Mundi, Miserere no hobbies. On your staying, we totally speak out of Mundi, Miserere no hobbies. On your staying, we totally speak out of Mundi, Dona nobis pahachem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. Communion Antiphon. My heart overflows with noble words. To the King I address the song I have made. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Love divine, our love's excelling, joy of heaven to earth come down. Fix in us thy humble dwelling, all thy faithful mercies crown. Jesus, thou art all compassion, pure unbounded love thou art. Visit us with thy salvation, enter every trembling heart. Come, Almighty, to deliver, let us all thy grace receive. Suddenly return, and never, never more 
by Tampusli, thee we would be always blessing, serve thee, all thy grace receive. Suddenly return and ceasing glory in thy perfect love. Finish then thy new creation, pure and spotless, let us be. Let us see thy great salvation perfectly restored in thee, changed from glory into glory, till in heaven we take our place. Till we cast our crowns before thee, lost in wonder, love, and praise. <coughs> Let us pray. Renewed, O Lord, at the wellspring of salvation, we humbly entreat you that through the intercession of St. Gertrude, we may merit to be coerced in his kingdom of grace, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. Bow your heads and pray for God's blessing. May the God of all consolation order your days in his peace and grant you the gifts of his blessing. Amen. May he free you always from every distress and confirm your hearts in his love. Amen so that on this life's journey you may be effective in good works, rich in the gifts of hope, faith, and charity, and may come happily to eternal life. Amen. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down on you and remain with you forever. Amen. Go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life. Salve Regina, Mater Misericordiae, Vita docedo, et spes nostra salve. Ad eclamamus, exules filii heven. Ad te suspiramus, gementes et flentes, in hoc lacrimarum vale. Ea ergo, advocata nostra, ilos tuos, Misericordes oculos, ad nos converte. Et Jesum, benedictum fructum ventris tui, nobis post hoc exilium ostende. O clemens, o pia, o O Duchis, Virgo Maria. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits 
who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee, through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one, from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Spreading the splendor of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. My name's Alyssa Vigil from St. Ignatius of Loyola.